Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. And welcome to the first ever New Era Canucks podcast. Big deal. Um, the New Era Sens have expanded to the New Era Hotkey Network. And me and my co-host, Ben, we are very happy to be a part of it. And I'll welcome him in. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing quite good. And I'm excited to talk some Canucks hockey. I mean, right now it's not exactly Canucks hockey. It's a bit of a more dire situation. But I'm glad to be doing this podcast with you and jumping on the New Era Hockey Network. 100% man and yeah like you said like what are we going to talk about on here right now we got nothing to talk about but COVID and that's all we've been talking about for the past year or so so this will definitely be a, a fun first podcast but you know I'm definitely looking to, uh, forward to the future with uh, New Era Hockey Network and doing this podcast with you but um, yeah let's just get right into it and first of all I uh, want to acknowledge that today is April 6, 2021 and uh, three years ago today, the Humboldt Broncos bus crash unfortunately happened. And um, just a tragedy that left the, the hockey world speechless, I'd say. You know, and um, it's unfortunate too, uh, as well as the swift current Broncos back in the 80s when they had theirs. It was just such a, such a, such a shock when it first happened. And it's one of, those, one of those things where it's like you remember exactly where you were when you, when you found out what uh, when that happened you know you have Crosby's golden goal you have all these other things and you know definitely the humble Broncos bus crash is one of those things where you remember where you were when you uh when you first found out about when that happened uh Ben what do you say yeah I mean big deal that that happened it's three years ago today uh, a lot of people perished in that unfortunate crash but it's one of those things where hockey transcends sport it enters news and news reporters jump on it and I think you can almost draw parallels to what we're seeing with the Canucks right now. The Canucks are facing a life-threatening disease in COVID-19 and the P1 variant that originated in Brazil and Vancouver. And that is going over to the news side. We see the CBC covering it on the national, their flagship news news broadcast each night. It's not just on TSN. It's not just on Sportsnet. It's not just in post media. And I think that's something that also happened with the Humboldt Broncos because it was such a big story and it still is such a big story that it transcended just the sporting world and the sports media. But I also have a bit of a personal connection to not really the Humboldt Broncos crash, but somebody who was involved in it and fortunately did find his way out. Uh, and that's Caleb Dahlgren. I'm quite involved in university sport. I'm here in Toronto, you're in Vancouver, but I know the York Lions, York University Lions hockey program quite well. And I've become uh, fairly close with uh, Caleb as well. And he just released a memoir, uh, Crossroads, which sort of reflects on his life with diabetes up to the crash and what he's been doing at York. And he was just nominated for uh, Perseverance in the Face of Adversity Award at York University. So I'm quite proud of him for that. And he's one of the most upbeat and cheerful guys I know, which is pretty impressive considering what he's gone through. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Like, uh, like you said, it's just one of those things that just becomes more than hockey, you know, um, 16 people lost their lives, eight, raging from the age of 17 to their head coach, which were, I believe he was in his late forties, early fifties. And, you know, it's, um, and I was watching videos on it today too. And I, and, it, and they were just saying, you know, like when you hear that 
teenagers are involved, kids are involved and, and athletes too, that are just, you know, trying to, they're, they're playing junior A hockey just hours ago and now their, their life has changed forever, you know, and it's, um, it's definitely a, a terrible tragedy and one that we'll definitely never forget. Yeah, there was also another connection uh, to university hockey, New York Lions as well, and sort of why Caleb ended up going to York University. Uh, one of the assistant coaches on the Humboldt Broncos was Mark Cross, who had graduated from York, played for York for uh, five years, and then went on to be the assistant coach with the Humboldt Broncos. And he passed away in the crash. And because of that, there was a bit of a connection there. And Caleb had always wanted to play university hockey that Russ Arrington, a great, great guy who was a coach at uh York University reached out to Caleb and said, even if you can't play for us, we want you on the team. And that's exactly what he's done. And he's been a fantastic student athlete at York University. Yeah, definitely. Like, again, it's more than hockey sometimes. And, you know, um, and with Caleb, too, obviously a great Canadian Ivy League school that he's going to in York. I'm pretty sure he's playing tremendous hockey there as well as getting an amazing education. And, you know, that's always good to see. Um, and especially since he was nominated for that award at York, just an amazing story to hear. You know, you love you love to hear when people persevere from stuff like that. And, you know, such a tragedy. But sometimes you got to you got to make the best out of what you can and what you have. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if, even if we bring it to the Canucks now, we're going to have to see how these guys persevere, not only physically and how they rebound from this virus, but also mentally. I mean, they're they're shutting their their houses, their apartments, their flats for who knows how long this is going to be. And if they come back on the ice, while I don't want to talk about hockey really right now, because it's such a non-story, the hockey side of things, but it's going to be interesting to see how does this unify the team? Do some guys not be able to bounce back from this? It's it's going to be a very interesting return to hockey when that eventually does happen. But right now, I just hope that they're all fine and going to recover because who knows with COVID and who knows with this variant. Yeah, no kidding. Especially when you when you throw that P1 variant in there too, you just you really have no idea. And you know, um, we can just all we can do is just hope that everything returns to as normal as it can, and that the the Canucks can bounce back from this. Which I'm I'm pretty certain they will eventually. Not sure about right now, but you know, you you can't you can't dwell on the past. You always got to look forward to the future, and you know that's what we got to do. We just gotta move at move with one day at a time and you know take it take it one day at a time and eventually it'll be over yeah i i do sincerely hope that everybody involved with uh, the canucks organization canucks sports and entertainment uh right down from the top of the aquilini families down to uh the smallest support staff member i hope everyone's fine finds their way out of this uh and hopefully we get a bit more of a uh, robust vaccine rollout in british columbia and across canada because we look down in the states while it wasn't smart that the texas rangers and major league baseball held a game with a full capacity they do have a decent vaccination level so it's less dangerous than it would be if you did that here but still not smart i just hope we can get back to doing those things safely and the way to do that is through vaccination 100 percent, man all right let's um Let's move along here in the in the podcast and uh, let's talk about the New Era Hockey Network, which we are we are a part of. Um, This is the New Era Canucks podcast. And um, Ben, I just want to get a a word from you on what what you're looking forward to joining New Era Hockey Network. I'm looking forward to just being a part of a, a great team of hockey fans, people trying to find their way in hockey media and covering teams that 
they really have a dedication to. I know a lot of the people I've gotten to know a few of them really love this sport, really love their teams. And when you hear their voices on their podcast that we'll be hearing as they start to publish over the coming weeks, you're going to get some passionate and honest people. It's going to be some great listening here at the new era hockey network. Yeah, man, that's our, that's our main thing here is um, I said it last night on the, when I joined the guys over on the new era sense podcast, you know, we're we're just fans speaking to fans. That's that's all we really are. We're we're not professionals here. You know, we're we're just looking to make our way in the in the media game, and we're just we're just speaking from our perspective and just how we how we look at the game as a fan. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see sort of where this goes. I know New Era Sends has been quite successful in what they've done so far over a couple of years. I think they've been around, and that's uh, what we're going to try to do here. I know you've been. Uh, quite successful with uh, at NHL Knox underscore on on Instagram. I w- we started talking a couple of years ago when you were still in you were living in Penticton at the time, I believe, just doing some stuff with the V's mm-hmm. uh, in the BCHL. And at that point, I was still in high school. I'm now in university, but we've sort of known each other for a little while, and I'm excited to join this new venture with you. Yeah, man, this is uh, this is going to be awesome. I'm like you said, we've known each other for uh, a good while. I was in middle school doing interviews uh with the with the penticton v's you know um was gonna cover the young stars for you guys i um yeah i've just been it's always been a passion of mine to you know be in hockey media somehow and uh you know this is just the the way yeah it's certainly going to be uh interesting to see where this all goes and if new era canucks can do anything that new era sense have done and if you can sort of uh, build this through instagram as well it's going to be interesting to see where this goes and for all our listeners out there i know there might not be too many on the first episode but we've got a lot coming for you i mean uh jordan why don't you just give us a bit of a idea of who you are and then i'll, I'll give it a bit of an idea of who i am before we really get into the canuck stuff awesome yeah um well, uh, I right now I live uh, in Coquitlam, which is just outside of Vancouver. I'm 16 years old, you know, just looking to make my way in hockey media. I've been a Canucks fan pretty much as long as I can remember. You know, Canucks have always been my team. And yeah, like we've said, like I've been doing hockey interviews since I was in middle school, just like going up to going up to a V's player with my phone in my hand at a, at a meet and greet and just interviewing him for three minutes to talk to him and yeah you know uh, I, I'm really excited for this podcast be uh, doing a podcast has always been something I've wanted to wanted to do and you know I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for it yeah it's, uh, it sounds like you have quite a bit of experience working uh, and covering the V's and now jumping into the Canucks world but uh, for me I guess I'm 20 I go to Ryerson University in Toronto I grew up in Vancouver and then headed out east for school currently I work for the Kingston Frontenacs the Ontario Hockey League uh, home of Shane Wright uh, exceptional status player in the OHL right now uh, and I also do some work for Alpine Canada I've done some work for the CBC in the past and uh, I'm also the voice of the Ryerson Rams men's hockey team on uh, on Sports TV so that's really my background I'm happy to jump on this and really start covering the Canucks I did used to write with the Canuck way for a little while uh, I left that when I sort of just found some new ventures, but I'm excited to jump back in on the Canucks and it's a bit of an inopportune time to be jumping back in on the Canucks with no games being played. Uh, but there is still stuff to talk about. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, let's speaking of that, let's, let's get into that talking about. And uh, other than COVID uh, since these games haven't been going on, there's been one big piece of news that the Canucks have released. And that is Thatcher Demko was signed to a five year 
uh, contract worth $25 million with an average of about $5 million per year. And um, Ben, let's just get your thoughts about that. Yeah, it's, I think it's a good deal. You look at what Jim Benning has done over the years, and he hasn't signed many good deals. Just look at the bottom six. You got Jay Beagle, Brandon Sutter. You don't even have to mention Louis Erickson. But this is a, a clean deal. Five by five is sort of what you see for good starting goaltenders. And from what we've seen through 60 or so games from Thatcher Demko, is he's a good starting goaltender. Sure, it's a small st- sample size, but hopefully this investment pays off. And I think the big key right now is re-signing Ian Clark. And we can get into that a bit later. Yeah. um, All I got to say is that, man, I think that this is the guy. Like, I I, I think we've got our our guy here with Demko. Um, You know, he's, I'd say he's a little bit proven. You know, he had that playoff series with Vegas last year where bubble Demko came uh, came into fruition. And now that just looks like Demko Demko off the way he played this past March and hopefully he can continue that in April. I know he's one of the players who are in COVID protocol right now. And, you know, I wish him all the best with that uh, going through that situation. But um, yeah, I, I really think that he's the guy going forward. And like you said, um, with Ian Clark, you know, I feel like he can be a big part of this Canuck team future too. And that's the thing is that that no one really looks at with goalies is the always the goaltending coach is someone who is always going to carry that goalie to their next level. That's always going to bring that goalie to their next level. And, you know, Ian Clark, he's a fantastic goalie coach. Fantastic. He did wonders with Jacob Markstrom last year and he's doing wonders with Thatcher Demko right now. And I feel like going forward, he can do more, but, all they got to do is re-sign him. And obviously with Jim Benning, what we saw last offseason, re-signing is a, is a bit of a, a task for him. But, um, you know, hopefully uh, this offseason he can he can learn from his mistakes and, you know, just uh, just keep the ball rolling with this team, keep it going. What, what we got right now, the core we have right now, uh, I believe the front office we have right now is, is a good front office to go forward with. Not too sure about Benning. He's he's iffy in my books, you know. He he gets a lot of credit and discredit from time to time, but um, yeah, I I really I really like the structure of this team right now. This season obviously is a bit of a question mark, but I really think I really like the direction of this team. The direction of the, of the team is pointing in the right direction, but I don't think that the Canucks have a way of finding themselves to become a Stanley Cup contender. At this point, because you look at the bottom six, you look at Jim Benning's history. I don't think Jim Benning is the guy to lead this Vancouver hockey hockey team to a Stanley Cup. Sure, you have Elias Pettersson. Sure, you have Quinn Hughes, assuming they both make it back healthy from COVID. But those guys aren't enough to lift the Vancouver Canucks to a Stanley Cup. Maybe that they can get back to a, a second round against Vegas, but they're not winning that series. So there needs to be a lot more. But on the Ian Clark side of things... It's very interesting how goalie coaches affect hockey and affect goalies because in any other sport, an athlete will hire their coach. And even though goaltending is part of a team sport, it's almost a separate sport in itself because it's so different than the rest of hockey. So it's almost an individual sport. I cover ski racing, for example, and a lot of athletes will have their own coaches because they work well with that coach. They know that coach can get the best out of them. But in hockey, the goalie coach is a member of the coaching staff and is a member of the team. And so you're assigned 
this goalie coach and hopefully it works out. And with Ian Clark, it does seem like it works out. But what if they didn't gel? Then you're stuck working with this this goalie coach who doesn't gel. And that could potentially be coming for the Canucks if indeed Thatcher Demko is working well with Ian Clark, which it seems he is. Um, yeah, like like you said, with uh, with goaltending coaching, it's and coaching in hockey. You know, it's such hit or miss because you you lock a guy to a contract, you think you got a good guy, and he may have been a good guy looking going into it, and he just doesn't gel right with the team. When it's it's all about paper and putting it into execution when it comes to that stuff, and you know, obviously Demko and um, Ian Clark are are gelling, and you know, Hopi hasn't really been able to find that groove he's been shaky he's had his games where he's looked really solid but um yeah i think uh ian clark is has definitely done wonders in vancouver for sure um uh and yeah i just not much to say other than that it's a it's a clean deal for demko five by five ian clark especially needs to stay to get the best out of this five by five deal and thatcher demko you look at what jacob markstrom's been doing in calgary this year and he's been good but he hasn't been the elite goaltender stealing games like he was with the canucks over the last few years working with ian clark but goaltending it's such an individual position as i said it's almost a different sport and having a goaltender coach that you work well with and can get the best out of an athlete is exactly what the vancouver canucks need because for all intents and purposes, they don't have a very good team. And Thatcher Demko is going to be needed to save this team more often than not. Yeah. And, and, and like you said too, like you're just trying to get the most out of this five by five that you can, you know, I, I, I kind of looked at the Demko contract similar to what the blues did with Bennington, you know, young goalie, pretty proven to his franchise so far, obviously Jacob Bennington, a little bit more proven, to the blues than Demko would be to the Canucks. But, you know, I looked at it in, in that, um, in that, you know, they think that that's who they got their guy there, that that's who their guy is. Uh, that's who they think it is going forward. And, and back it, backup goalies in the NHL, they're so, they're so replaceable, you know, as unfortunate it is to say is that, you know, yeah, as long as you got your starting goalie and you can keep a good backup goalie in there, your, your, your goaltending is pretty much set. And that's what I think a lot of these teams are doing. And I think you're going to see it more is it kind of started with that trend of signing Sergei Bobrovsky in Florida is that everybody was like, what are you doing? You don't pay goalies. They're worthless to pay them seven years and however much Bobrovsky got. And in that first season, that seemed to be looking true because he was not playing good. Now you look at this season, look at where Florida is at now and how Bobrovsky is playing now, because you look at it they didn't sign him to a one-year contract, ten, whatever million, to go to the Stanley Cup, win it, okay, see you later, buy or fl- flip you at the deadline for draft picks. You got us high enough in the standings. It's like, no, they were locked in because they knew in the long term that this guy might be good. Maybe not in that first two years of that contract, but in those second two years, that or, or not even second two years, moving forward in the future, that's where you you want to get your most bang for your buck is in those last two years because the first two years are your your almost trial years and that's where I find most of the fans talk the most crap about the players too is in that first two years of the contract and then after you get into that first two years you kind of see where that player's direction with the team is and we've seen that Louis Erickson too obviously you know scoring an empty net on your team in your first game isn't a good first impression to show a direction, but we, we all had high hopes for Louis Erickson. He was coming off a 30 goal season with Boston 
Yeah, the Canucks had high hopes for Louis Erickson, but I also think taking a look at the Canucks, Jim Benning and his approach to players, the first two years of a contract aren't a trial period. If it's a five-year contract, you're committed. You you should be getting those right. You look at a team, say the Toronto Maple Leafs, for all that they've done wrong, they've also done a lot right. Kyle Dubas takes a look at the entire contract rather than just looking at oh maybe we can get two years out of this the way Jim Benning does that was Mm -hmm. the the way they approached Louis Erickson at the time because he was coming off a 30 goal season with the Boston Bruins the Canucks sign him and they're just hoping to get two or three good season out of him when he's with the Sedins at this point in his contract I would say that maybe not this was expected but something of this sort was expected and Jim Benning just doesn't have that long-term outlook. And I think that's in part because the Canucks haven't shown all that much confidence in him in sticking around other than on one, two, three year extensions. And so he's not able to have that long-term outlook, which is detrimental to the growth, of growth of the team. Yeah. Like, like, um, like, I, I agree with that. Like, and like I said, with the trial period, I wouldn't call it a trial period, but it's almost that like period where it's like, you know, what's, what are you going to be with this team moving forward? And, you know, um, like with Erickson, you know, giving like, obviously coming off a 30 goal season, you would want to sign that guy. If you see him in free agency, you know, he, he perfect, he fit perfectly. He could play on that right wing with Daniel and Henrik playing center and left. And it, it seemed like it was a perfect fit, but at the same time, Canucks didn't really look at his age. They were just looking at the stats really. And in the NHL, you see that like 31, 32, that's where the average player will kind of start to, you know, dwindle down a little bit, depending on who you are, obviously. But I think with Louis Erickson, it wasn't expected for him to what what's happening now, you know, being a healthy scratch and on the taxi squad and sent up and down week to week and whatnot. But it was... It's, it's a difficult situation, definitely, with the Canucks contracts. And obviously that came and bit them pretty hard last offseason, losing Markstrom Tan of everyone they lost, you know. and But at the same time, trading is also an option. You can always, you can always flip your I, – I, I, hate, I hate signing a player and then just being like, oh, he sucks and flipping him. Like just, like, just like gone like that. But I feel like with guys like Erickson and Sutter, it's been long enough to the point where we can say he's done enough to what he can do with the Canucks to the point where maybe it's time to get some assets off of him. Who is trading for Louis Erickson? Who's trading for Brandon Sutter? These players aren't good players. They're borderline NHL players. Maybe Brandon Sutter's an NHL player, but Louis Erickson, not really. And who's going to take on a contract like that? You're looking at a flat cap league where nobody has money, nobody's bringing in profit. You, you saw a Jake for Tannen trade get shut down because it was just cash money that was the problem. And it wasn't even the, the salary cap at that point. Nobody is trading for a $6 million contract for a player who can't even break into a bottom half, of the bottom third of the league team. Louis Erickson's not a good hockey player. You're not going to get anything for him unless you add sweeteners to the extreme. So even though trading is technically a possibility, one, we haven't seen Jim Benning do that over his years with the Canucks. And also who would want any players from the Canucks at this point, unless they're core players. No. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing with Erickson and what's going on right now. Like it couldn't have happened at a possible worst time, like at all to have, to have a flat cap and just no money coming in all that. Um, but I think, like you said, with Erickson, trading him, you'd have to add in a sweetener. 
but then that becomes who is that sweetener do we have to trade lind do we have to trade woo is utenen gone is who's gone every single one of them plus more nobody is taking on such a contract i don't think any of those guys counts as a sweetener i think if you're trading louis erickson you have to add in a guy more than jake for and you have to add in a guy maybe nils hoglander plus withhold salary plus something else nobody wants to take louis erickson he is not a suitable nhl player on a bottom three team and you can't expect jim benning and the vancouver canucks to have any analytical outlook on this guy either because they haven't shown that over what is it eight years he's been with the team something like that yeah but um yeah like the only really tradable players they have right now are i'd say brandon sutter and the only team i've seen him tied to is the oilers and Adam Gaudet, and the only team I've heard, I think, is Nashville. And it's like, you know, you have – I've heard of two teams. Two teams. What are you, you going to do with that? You're not going to do anything. The Canucks are – they're cap-tied. They're handcuffed. They, they can't really do much with their current situation, and that's an issue. Uh, we do have a bit of breaking news right now. I just see on Twitter, Jake Vertanen has tested positive for COVID-19 and been added to the COVID protocol. So that brings it up oh, to wow. 18 members of the Vancouver Canucks uh, roster who have tested positive or are at least on the COVID NHL's COVID protocol. Wow. Wow. And Taylor Hall has been scratched tonight too. He's just adding that in there. <laughs> Taylor Hall's not coming to Vancouver. Oh no, no, just just uh just an NHL adder there. Just an NHL adder. Taylor Hall has been scratched tonight for uh precautionary reasons, I believe it is called. So usually that means that he's probably going to be traded or there is a trade offer pending that looks very nice to uh the Buffalo Savers GM right now. And it's just is he gonna take it? We'll see. I mean Taylor Hall made a big mistake signing at Buffalo at the start of the season. I don't know why exactly he did that. Maybe he saw that there was going to be some potential options and some potential good coming out of playing with a guy like Jack Eichel. Maybe Casey Middlestack gets hot. Uh, you have Rasmus uh, Dahlin on the back end. May- there are some pieces there. I think Buffalo does have some pieces to be successful, but with the Pagula ownership and everything that goes on in Buffalo... Uh, I can't see them getting successful, and I don't know why, as a headlining free agent last summer, did Taylor Hall choose that destination? I I, I saw a lot of he was just trying to get that one year, you know, let's go play with some skilled players, and then. But it's like, you know, why would – but in his defense, no one saw the Buffalo Sabres being this bad this season. No one saw the 18-game losing streak. No one saw that. Personally, me, I thought the Buffalo Sabres were going to be – maybe where the Canucks are right now. And that's just kind of sniffing in on that fourth spot to get into the playoffs there. Because I saw them add Taylor Hall. I'm like, you got Jeff Skinner, who's shaky right now, but he could bounce back if you put him with the right player. You got Jack Eichel, who's a proven star in this league. And you now add Taylor Hall to that mix. You know, that's that's a bone, that's a big three right there, I'd say. But it just hasn't worked. It just has not worked. And I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's it's crazy that you can the I'd say Buffalo Sabres are one of the best looking teams on paper in the National Hockey League when it comes to their forwards and D. Their goalie are shaky, but forwards and D, the Buffalo Sabres are one of the best teams on paper. Execution has been terrible this season. 
I don't even think they're a great team on paper. And the way they've been managed this season is preposterous. You have Rasmus Ristolainen on the back end who had a rough bout with COVID and apparently he's not all better. He has a lot of long-term symptoms and they're still running him out there for 20 plus minutes a night as a top pairing defenseman alongside Deline. That's an issue. So from the top down, the Buffalo Sabres are the NHL's dumpster fire. Jack Edwards said it on the broadcast when they played the Bruins. And I'm saying it here on the new era Canucks podcast. The, the Buffalo Sabres are a complete disaster right now. And it's good. They won a game. That's nice to see. You don't want these athletes having to go through just the depressing of the depressing situation of losing game after game after game, but they are bad from top to bottom. They've got, oh, a yeah. de- they've got a decent few players, but even on paper, they are a bad hockey team. And the thing is, in the National Hockey League, too, if you want to be a competitive team, you should not having to be celebrating a win. That is the thing. You should not be having to be celebrating a win if you are wanting to be a competitive team. And, you know, that's just that's just unbelievable. And speaking of the Buffalo Sabres, too, uh, Jacob from the New Era Sense podcast, he put out a tweet today, and he said, 2018 redraft go, are you still taking – Rasmus Dalin first overall and I tweeted back I said well if you're the Buffalo Sabres and you want a decently good offensive left-handed defenseman take Quinn Hughes I I don't think it's about who they picked I think Rasmus Dalin has more potential and is a better player than Quinn Hughes the problem with the Buffalo Sabres is they have exactly zero player development staff there is nobody to aid the transition from wherever you're coming from, whether that's junior, whether that's college, whether that's overseas to the NHL game, which is the best in the world. The Canucks for all that's wrong with them. They have a decent player transition and player development staff. There's something there. There's a structure that players go through and it's been fruitful. It's brought Elias Pettersson's success right off the bat. Quinn Hughes, right off the bat. Nils Hoglander, right off the bat. This, the senators and Sabres both have very, very little player development staff. Players are better staying where they are, developing to their maximum potential they can there, and then moving over. I don't think Dalene was at his max potential. I think you look at what the Senators are doing now, and I don't think any of the players they're bringing in from college are at the, their max potential as well. They should have stayed another year. But both those organizations don't have enough staff to make to get the best out of players. And so regardless of who the Sabres picked in that draft, they were doomed from the minute they were drafted. And I think if Rasmus... Dalene went to another team, he'd be a top five defenseman in the league right now. It's a bold take. That's a bold take. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it, it really does all tie into management and yeah, it, 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 it does, but it doesn't depend on the player you take, obviously like, and you can see that with the Edmonton Oilers too. You take a guy like Connor McDavid, first overall generational talent next Sidney Crosby. He's the Michael Jordan of hockey, all this comparisons. Oilers haven't even made to pass the second round since he's been in the NHL. Sure, it's not a amount of time, but you look at where Sidney Crosby has been in that amount of time. You, you can't compare Connor McDavid to Rasmus Dahlin, even Elias Pettersson. Connor McDavid's on another level. And oh, 100%. 100% he, yeah. he, he wouldn't have needed he, – he would have excelled in Buffalo if he ended up there. Mm-hmm. He is just that good a player. He is on a completely other level than anybody else, I think mm-hmm. – you hear conversations about, oh, can Elias Pettersson rival Connor McDavid? No, he can't. Elias mm-hmm. Pettersson is 100%. a very good hockey player for the Vancouver Canucks. 
Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in the world, debatably the best hockey player ever to play the game. So you you just can't compare. But but that's where I'm saying you look at where it's where it's not just the player too. It's also the de- de- uh, de- developmental staff and the front office too. It's like you know you like a sport like basketball where it's more player orientated than it is uh front office orientated and influence and all that lebron james was able to take the the original cavaliers team that he played on to the finals like that since being like after he got drafted like it was almost instantaneous and then with hockey you look at it and it's like you know it's very like uh front office orientated and it's like why hasn't Connor McDavid made it to the, or why has he made it to the playoffs only once in his career, twice, if you want to count the play in round against Chicago? Well, you have to look at the nature of the two sports as well, and I'll bring soccer into this as well. So in, in basketball, players will play most of the game. LeBron James is out there for most of the game. Sometimes players do play the entire game. They don't take a minute off. In hockey, Connor McDavid, for as good as he is, he's playing a maximum of 40 minutes in a game. So he's out there for two thirds of the game, but for the other third of the game, you need still competitive players out there. And the the Edmonton Oilers haven't really had that. And so while Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl can do what they can over two periods, you need somebody to fill that third, not necessarily the the third period, but just a third of the game. You look at soccer and sure you're one of 11 people, but a difference maker like Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, sure they're sort of in the same realm as Connor McDavid in how good they are relative to their sport, but they're out there for most likely 90 minutes. The entire game, they have the entire game to dissect an opponent's defense, see their tactics, and make their impact. Whereas Connor McDavid has two-minute shifts at most, and that's long, Mm -hmm. uh, to make his impact, and he plays two-thirds of the game. So hockey, it just doesn't have, the player doesn't have the same effect on the team. You're also part of an 18-man roster, which doesn't help. Mm -hmm. No, and like that's also what I think is what makes hockey one of the most I'd say diverse games too is just the player diversity in how many, how often they play, you know, like in the NBA, you can almost control your own lineup. Like you can be like, like LeBron can be like, Oh, I'm only playing 35 minutes. How about I play 37 because that extra two minutes could be in crunch time, you know, something like that. And it's like in hockey, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, you know, you're sometimes you could be out there for two minutes and that could screw up your whole game because your star was out there with five minutes left of the game, takes a two minute shift, and now he's dogged for crunch time. Yeah, it, it's tough, but you need, you can't just have two players of 18 having success. Mm-hmm. You need the mm-hmm. entire roster. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move back into Canucks here and um, let's talk about when are they going to play another game? When do you think? Their next Perf- scheduled one is, I think, against Edmonton uh, next Monday, if I'm not wrong. I think uh, Hockey Night in Canada, they were supposed to play this weekend on Hockey Night in Canada, and they rescheduled a, a Flames-Oilers yeah. game uh, to have the, the late game on Hockey Night in Canada. To me, I don't think they should return to the ice this year. Um, they're not a competitive team. I think pushing any COVID symptoms sort of even if they're not contagious at that point, but just pushing any of the somewhat long-term symptoms, you shouldn't do it. You could cause some serious injury to these guys on their respiratory systems. It's not like 
tearing a hamstring and that you can come back from that. But you're talking about whether these guys can breathe and perform at the level of an elite athlete, which you are to play in the NHL. I don't think they should play a game. I also think if you don't play a game, you send a very big message to the young people of British Columbia from 19 to 39 years old, the people who have not really been following the rules to a T suddenly you take away one of the key demographics of the Canucks fans and they'll, they'll see it on the van cast hosted by Thomas Drance and Jeff Patterson. Uh, Justin McElroy from CBC was on it earlier today. And he spoke about that exact point that if the Canucks don't play a game, it sends a massive message to the public and a fan base that is largely in that 19 to 39 age group. So that's a, Personally, I don't think the Canucks should play another game this year unless miraculously everybody recovers and is operating 100%. If they were in... Yeah, no, I'll leave it at that. The Canucks should not play another hockey game this year. Um, Yeah, I'm in the same realm. You know, I'm like, you know, if if it keeps going, you keep adding more players, you got to. Because even if you do return, maybe half your team is still out when you return. And you have half the Utica Comets, two or one third of the Manitoba Moose, and one player from the Laval Rocket playing for the Canucks. And it's the, like, the Canucks aren't a good team when they are at full strength. I don't think fans, from a hockey perspective, I don't want to look at this from a hockey perspective, but they're not a good team when they're at full strength. They're not going to be a good team when they're at quarter strength. The oh, Canucks no. should not play another game this year, and it. It's not even really a conversation I want to engage in because the personal health and personal lives of these players has to come first. And hockey is just such a secondary thing. Yeah. And like you said, like, unless it's miraculously um, instantaneous and, you know, everybody's cured of COVID and it's gone, then yeah, I, I can also not see him play another game. And you look at where they stand in the standings this season and where we are in the season right now we're maybe a little bit over a month maybe less than a month left in the season and it's like even if they do return in two weeks two and a half weeks maybe another week or so that team is going to be battered up they're going to be exhausted they're going to be they're not going to want to play professional hockey they're just going to want to rest Exactly. It, it is not a good idea to put the Canucks in this situation. I, I really, it, I'd, 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 personally, I'd like to move on to another topic because the the personal health and importance of that to these players is so much bigger than hockey. Mm-hmm. All right, well, then let's move on to another topic about Canucks land. Um, there's not a lot to talk about. So is there anything you you would think to talk about in Canucks land here? I think one of the things that there is to talk about is how they approach this trade deadline because a few weeks ago, there was talk about a person that trade deadline. Maybe you trade Tanner Pearson. Maybe uh, some other players are part of a potential trade as well. But now you have guys on the COVID list. Is anybody trading for anyone on the protocol list? Oh, definitely not. No, no. It's it's, it's the exact same thing as trading for someone with, a, with injury. And you also add that risk of bringing in COVID to your team, especially since the Canucks have that P1 variant going around in the team too. It's, I, I could see a trade. 
I don't see a very big one. I don't think we were going to see a big one. I And because of this, I doubt we're going to at all. The only player I can see being moved is Adam Gaudet. That's maybe it. And because that's he's really our only movable piece right now. I, I would say that Adam Gaudet is probably the Canucks' most movable piece when you look at the roster, but you also take a look at Twitter and his his wife has come out and said that he's been bedridden, she's feeling sick, he's mm-hmm. completely out of it. So who's trading for a player like that to affect their team this year? Maybe that's something that the Vancouver Canucks can look at in the offseason. But mm-hmm. at this point for the hockey club, I don't see any team trading for these players or let alone giving up anything valuable for these players. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to give up anything for anyone on a COVID list, on an injury list, anything. If it's, it's, it trading's hard when there's a defect to a player in any circumstance, because there's always that risk that you're going to take. And the thing is too, is I can't see the Canucks bringing in anyone because they're probably not going to play another game. So what's even the point? Because if you bring in someone on a one-year contract, seriously, what is the point? They're not going to play unless we re-sign them. And yeah, it's, it, it's, and it's not safe, too. You, then you're just going to bring in another person from another community into this team when it's probably another community that started all this. And well, you know, that's Well, I mean, it, it's also, I don't see any player that would actually show up. Sure, mm-hmm. you get traded, but you do have to get on the plane yourself and get to the city yourself. I don't know what player would want to show up in Vancouver right now with the way things are going, not just in Vancouver, not just with the Canucks, but the province in BC as a whole. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like like I said, it's just adding that new risk factor onto the team, onto yourself, onto everyone, I, even the city of Vancouver, because that guy's not playing, but he thinks – oh, I've done my seven-day quarantine. We're not playing hockey. I can go out to the Cactus Club tonight. But Well, can't, can't go to the well, Cactus, Club, you, no. Cactus Club, Club. But, you know, Cactus you know, Club like maybe, maybe I'll go out for a walk in Stanley Park, something like that, and you can track COVID, and the team gets screwed even more because now they're, they're new trade deadline accusation. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the, what the Canucks will do over the next few weeks. I don't think there's much the Canucks will be able to do trade-wise, management-wise. The focus really does have to be on getting these players better and getting them in in shape again once they do hopefully recover from the virus. Uh, it would have been a different story if the Canucks were a contender this year. I think there would be a lot more urgency and attention from the NHL uh, to get this Canucks team back on the ice and in any way possible, even if it wasn't the smartest way uh, for their personal lives or their health. But at this point, it's not a big effect on the standings. If the Canucks do bow out of this season um, and for the draft order, you, you just have to do that off uh, off of points percentage. And we've seen points percentage in the NHL before we saw it last year. There's no reason we can't see it again. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you know, it's, it's it's just really crazy honestly like there's there's no even there you can't even put it into words honestly like uh what's going on right now and we can just you know hope and pray for the best and all i can say is that this really reminds me of the dallas stars situation that they had at the beginning of the year and they didn't play like the first like two weeks of the season or something like that and but you saw the urgency to get dallas back on the ice 
because they just made the Stanley Cup. That was a team that was looking good. That's why I think it's a little bit different because Dallas, it was like, we need them on now. It's the start of the season. They just made the Stanley Cup and they're in Texas, which it may allow fans in eventually. So you can see where it's all just grabbing that profit, grabbing that profit. And with the Canucks, it's like, you know, the, their only really profit they have right now is the fact that they're a Canadian team. You yeah, know, and, and even that, it's not like they're welcoming fans into their arena in at any time in the near future. They they haven't this mm-hmm. season. In Texas and the Dallas Stars, even though they started two weeks late, they were one of the first teams to have fans back. Sure, Arizona had fans back as well, but Dallas immediately had fans back when they hit the ice as well. So it's a lot of tone deaf. Uh, I know that there's a saying out there saying basically just pleading, make it make sense, make it make sense. The NHL doesn't make sense. The world doesn't make sense right now. Uh, And currently it's seriously affecting the Vancouver Canucks and it sucks as a fan of the team, but it more sucks just knowing uh, that these are people with families. These are people with wives, girlfriends, boyfriends. Uh, They, you just got to hope that they can get out of this. Yeah. And like, like we were saying at the start of the podcast too, it's, it's more than a game. And that's, and this is another one of those situations where that comes in and you just, you just wish for the best in the end. But um, yeah, I think for the first ever new era connects podcast, that is all Ben and I have to bring you today. We want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, We want to thank new era hockey network for the opportunity to get this podcast started. This is awesome. We're looking forward to the future of this and uh, Ben, thanks for, talking to me today and i look forward to uh talking to you again next week after the trade deadline happens and maybe we have a answer to what the canucks are going to look like for the rest of the season i i look forward to coming back next week and we'll be back uh every tuesday we record this so i don't know when uh, you might be listening to it but today is uh tuesday april 6th we're recording yeah so tuesday we record and probably i'd say wednesday thursday we'll probably get him out and um yeah so new era canucks podcast number one that is all we have for today thank you everybody for listening and we will catch you next time see you later ben yeah